This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. G'day, Dan Illich here. You're about to listen to Irrational Fear live on stage at the Sofitel in Sydney at the Women in Media 2023 conference and it was a great show. I can't wait for you to listen to it but I should let you know that Women in Media did invite us to to perform on stage but they had no say in what we said on stage. So, you know, some of the views reflected um, on stage last Saturday night don't necessarily reflect the same views of the Women in Media conference um, which was a terrific conference, two-day event, so many great luminaries from the industry spoke and um, we got to cap it off with a great show. So um, big thank you to Anita Jacoby and all the board at the Women in Media Conference for uh, having faith in us. And a big thank you to Australian Ethical because without their generous support, we would not have been able to pull the amazing panel of superstars that we did. So enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, And if you want more content from this show, so you can understand some of the maybe some of the visual references. Please go ahead and sign up to the Irrational Fear newsletter. That's irrationalfear.com, or better still, go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear, and we'll put up all the slides, all the videos, and all the other content surrounding the show there. So you can enjoy it there. All right. Thanks very much, everyone. Um, next week's show, it's going to be great too. We're coming to you from the Torres Strait. The following program contains rude words like Mark Latham, blockchain and Twitter. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Comedians, experts, laughing at the world as it burns down around us. This is A Rational Fear. Tonight, Vanessa Hudson becomes the first woman CEO of Qantas and the full billionth woman to clean up the mess of a man. 
And a Roy Morgan survey has found that women are more skeptical of AI than men. The survey also revealed that men thought Siri was hitting on them. And speaking at the Women in Media Conference, Ida Butro said that during her time at the ABC, the best decision she ever made was firing Lewis Hobber. <laughs> Presented by Australian Ethical, live from the 2023 Women in Media Conference, this is Irrational Fear! This is Irrational Fear. Excellent. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, former chair of the ABC, Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that brings experts and comedians together to break down the biggest issues, and this week's topic is women in media. And there is, I don't think, any more appropriate way to cover this topic than on a podcast hosted by two mediocre white men who no longer have jobs in media. Um, when the organisers reached out and said, would you like to do this? I said, yes, in full confidence, because I'm a man. <laughs> and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it without a stellar lineup. So let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. They're a one woman media machine. She quit her law job to build her own publishing empire. The founder and CEO of the most trusted name in shitposting from Cheek Media, it's Hannah Ferguson. <laughs> Hannah. Cheek Media has this really unique blend of very clear, understandable content and shit posting. Uh, what is the more effective mode? Shit posting. Donald, <laughs> Trump, Donald Trump's mugshot and vibrator jokes go a lot better than climate doom explainers, in my experience. <laughs> and she's a writer. Sorry. Writer, creator. Oh, fucking iPad. I'm so sorry, everyone. This is ridiculous. Oh, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Writer, creator, provocateur, you may know them from Queer Australia and Black Comedy, or simply from spitting your tea out while reading their posts on Twitter. It's Gunai Gonja Jamara, Wiradjuri, and Yorta Yorta creative genius, Nayuka Gori. Nayuka, you are one of my favourite people on Twitter, or, or formerly Twitter. How has your Twitter habit changed uh, since Elon took over? Okay, dead naming. Um, I haven't posted in months. There's nothing funny to say about that. <laughs> it's a fucking graveyard. Rip. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's very sad. R.I.P. Writer, director, comedian. You would have seen her on pretty much every network this year on Taskmaster, Utopia, or Helping Solve Crimes on Amazon Prime's Deadlock. It's Nina Oyama. <laughs> Neens, you have been... Absolutely everywhere this year. You've had such a successful year. I've just got one question for you. Who are you wearing? The blood of my enemies. <laughs> and Chanel number five. And it's the former host of Drive on Triple J who left the ABC in disgrace, Lewis Hobber. <laughs> yeah. Lewis, what did you do? Uh, I was forced to leave the ABC down because unfortunately my show was very popular with people under 50. <laughs> Uh, and we've also got DJ Dylan Bain on the pots and pans. Um, sadly, you would have known on the poster uh, Vijay Rajan. She couldn't be here. She had an emergency to attend to, but she sent us some videos, so we'll play those a little bit later on. This show wouldn't absolutely happen at all without the support of Australian Ethical. They've been so supportive of us. Um, big thanks to them. 
Uh, they've been uh, looking after money since 1986, and they like making more, more money out of other people's money by spending it on good companies. So a big thank you to Australian Ethical for allowing us to be here. Uh, they also invest in questionably ethical podcasts as well, which is great. But we couldn't actually pay all the bills with Australian Ethical's money. Um, so we have had to get another sponsor. Uh, this is a very important message from that sponsor uh, about women from an oil CEO, I think. Oil love woman. Patriarchy has kept both oil and woman in ground for too long. I, CEO. Hey, did you know that BP actually stands for boss pussy? Mm-hmm, that's right. Look, listen, oil loves all trans and cis continental pipelines <laughs> for trans and cis oil. Am I right, ladies? Shout out Oil Cares. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all have, we all have got things we need to do to make money, don't we? <laughs> all right, let's kick it off. Uh, first of all, 2023 has had some huge moments for women in media. Here are the top three things I think stood out globally. Uh, the first big win, Barbie became the biggest Warner Brothers movie ever, which is astounding because they made Police Academy. I think we're calling it Warner Sisters now, Dan. <laughs> Shout out advertising, yes. <laughs> They pulled in $1.32 billion globally, executive produced by Australian Margot Robbie. Fearmongers, did you see the, um, the Barbie movie? What did you make of it? I loved it. Is that okay to say? I feel like we're going to shred it, but I had a really good time. Yeah. I was really high. <laughs> but it was lots of fun. I haven't watched it yet because I've been too busy reading Russian literature. Um, no, I haven't watched it because it's not something I would normally watch. And if I'm going to go to the cinema, like, I kind of want to watch not that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it's, it, I do want to watch it. It's not that I don't, but I've got a lot of opinions, but none of them matter because I haven't watched it. <laughs> but also... You I've, should just be like a man and speak on it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Well, if, just, I'm if you about think you're to, not qualified. Pretend you're on a white guy's podcast. I'm definitely about to. What I will say is it's done a lot for, I think, like the colours, pink and blue. I think we can all agree. And also, it actually, it has been funny to observe, like, what I don't like about the criticism or even the, like, things we like about it or whatever is, like, it's, people aren't engaging with it as a film. It's like, this sucks because it's about an ad. Like, yeah, it is. And it is an ad. And, like, capitalism is disgusting. But... Like, I'd, I would like to know why it's a bad film for those who are saying it's a bad film. Yeah. Um, I thought it was extraordinary. I felt like it was like blazing saddles of our generation for some reason. Uh, what's blazing I'm saddles? <laughs> is that the name of the strain I was smoking when I watched Barbie? <laughs> We're too young to know that reference. Yeah. Is that like a silent film? <laughs> It's like it was a, Charlie Chaplin B-sides. You, you had to be. It was just, when Dan was young. Um, there were no cars, and it was a really big ad for a saddle company. Uh, because of uh, the no, war. Because of the war. Really, Which war? The poor wars. wars. <laughs> 
In a really dense comedy film packed with social commentary, like absolutely dense. You saw it three times, didn't you? I did. I wish there were more scissoring in Barbie. I think that to be accurate, <laughs> there needed to be more scissoring like every five-year-old did with their Barbies in the bath. But you know what? Good film saw it three times, but still disappointing in that element, to be quite honest. I didn't have Barbies. I was like, like a cool girl. <laughs> it's like different. No, I'm kidding. We couldn't afford them. And that's capitalism. Right? Yeah. Nina, you make TV and you've seen Barbie. You're the qualified one here to answer this question. Yeah, I was really leaning on, I, I, no, I you could wondering... answer this. And <laughs> I fucking, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How, I haven't had the time. How hard is it to do what they did in 90 minutes? Like, how hard is it to kind of get that much information in 90 minutes? Yeah, I think, like, what they did was really good was that they made a good film out of an ad. And I think we were all kind of, like... Not hoping it would fail, but you'd be like, well, how can they be funded by Mattel and criticising Mattel? Um, but they somehow managed to do both. Um, oh, so I, I, and how hard is that? Oh, probably really hard. <laughs> what I will say is it's not the... There has long been a relationship between advertising and filmmaking. So this... Uh, what I do dislike seeing is people being like, oh, she sold out, or, like, uh, d do you know her personally? Like, is she personally... Are you, is she accountable to you? Are you paying her bills? Yeah. Like, chill the fuck out. So, like, that's weird. But then, like, I have watched Toy Story approximately, like, maybe 30 times in my entire life. That's the same, like, it's, it's advertising as well. They're all the, it's all the fucking same thing. Yeah, it's a big ad for Peter Dutton. It's incredible. Then, um, I was watching Ninja... And this is a big ad for Irrational Fear. You can buy our T-shirts after the show. <laughs> And Lena Dunham and Lily Collins are actually attached to the Mattel's next movie about I'm Polly Pocket. Can you name those names? Sorry. Who? Lena Dunham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Lily Collins. Yeah, the first scene's going to be Polly Pocket just getting railed on a couch by Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the second big win, uh, the Matildas effect. In July, it seemed like the entire world was gripped to cheer on the Matildas for the FIFA World Cup. It's a big sports story, but it's also a big media story. Um, and sport and media and politics are the only thing that get commissioned in this country, so that's a media story. Um, beyond the enormous sporting achievement, uh, there was a bit of a halo effect. Huge TV numbers meant that, for the first time, people really understood what it was like to do bookkeeping on zero. Um, also, uh, a, it resulted in a body of people to work out how to get women's sports on TV without siphoning, which is good. And also the federal government decided they would take time out of uh, their busy schedule commissioning coal mines and drop a couple of hundred million dollars on some sports programs, which is astounding. Hannah, you got pretty obsessed by the Matildas, Oh, right? yeah, I Googled the offside rule at least 12 times <laughs> that, first, that first week. I Honestly, I thought I was straight, then I was sexually attracted to goalkeepers all of a sudden. <laughs> Everything changed. What other halo effects are there in this, in this realm? Um, the shitty men's comments on my Instagram after I posted about it at any point. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Uh, like, it was for the first time, because I, I watched a lot of sport. Lucas is like, I didn't do a shitty comment. I, <laughs> they uh, are. Okay, have like, a cook record. Man. It wasn't me, or if it was, it was misconstrued. <laughs> not all men. Hashtag not, not all, all Lewis Hobbers. <laughs> no, I just mean, for, I, I was really, it was, it was the first time men were getting in touch with me to just talk about going to watch women's sport. Absolutely. Like, it was really amazing. And also, I think that the majority of the mean comments were men who couldn't handle that they got higher viewership ratings than the NRL and AFL oh, Grand yeah. Finals. And they were like, but this is a worldwide event. And I was like, I'm talking about Australian stats. Like, it's not... It was quite aggressive, but I will agree. It was the first time I'd seen, like, 80-year-old Ron at the local pub who could name Mary Fowler. It was a beautiful thing on the whole, but there was the occasional troll. Sure, 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 yeah. I have found that 
I think, you know, we've got this whole little referendum coming up. Please, no questions about that because I'll just fucking kill myself on this stage. I'm not even joking. But I found that watching the Matildas is about as close to, a, like, reconciliation as this country will come. I'm not even kidding. Well, like, I saw so many blackfellas, myself included, we were like, our Matildas. I think, I, yeah, I don't know. It was, really, it was really fucking beautiful. And, like, yeah, they're hot. Sure, I've got eyes. I care. But, like, to see what, also, what I also really fucking loved about them is how political they are and how unrelenting they've been. For This has been their campaigns for equal wages. This has been... We have so much to learn from them. It's, it's been, I think, at least... I remember going to... Speaking at a conference at a union, like, 2016, 2017. 2016. And they, they were speaking there about like they're organising as a workplace. I think we have so much to learn from them. And even now they're still like really unrelenting and it's fucking cool to see what, I don't know, the political gains you can make and like winning hearts and minds and being entertaining and fucking cool. Like that, that bit actually makes me really, really excited about the sport. And so when wankers are like, eh, sport, I'm, I'm more into, I don't know, fucking wanking to prowse or whatever. Like, like there's... <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't... I just... That makes me really, really excited. Nice. And men don't... When has the men fucking... When have any men in sport done that, like... on Yeah, that sort of high-stakes campaigning and organising. Anyway, I'm yeah. rambling. No, totally. Man, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah. Also, like... You know. Honestly, I'm the opposite of Nuyuka. I just wanted to know which ones were dating. <laughs> I was like, which oh, ones are exes? I absolutely want to know that. Oh, yeah. And then there's the map of the women's in soccer relationship oh, yeah. map. And I was like, oh, my God, this is some... Who do I have a chance with? <laughs> exactly. I was like, Mackenzie. <laughs> that's the... Give yeah, that journal. It's my Mackenzie goalkeeper, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, she's linked to, like, nine different women. And I was like, damn. I think it's a new... Mackenzie. She's not keeping <laughs> any of them out. I'd like to throw my ball in that ring, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a, a new... ball. It's not the same. It's ball. a new category at the Walkleys. Best sex map. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Elwood. Uh, the third big win. This is um, opportunistic because we have Nina here, but I honestly think for women in media in Australia, deadlock. Absolutely huge. And Nayuka also was in the writing room for Deadlock as well. Um, so we've got Nina and Nayuka here, which is so good. It's a show on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it. Hilarious, gritty, feminist spin on a murder mystery created by Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney, as well as being the number one show on Amazon Prime for a while. It, this month was certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes, 100%, which is amazing. Um, it's an extraordinary achievement for any Australian comedy show. Like, not even Hey Hate Saturday has done that, I don't think. Um, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I is that another wartime special? <laughs> but see, there was the a golf man... war. Yes, there was I a man called Daryl Summers and really he used to entertain the troops. Oh, oh my god! I wish Chris Taylor was here. Oh, <laughs> he was at the Logies and he didn't make any sense at all. Oh yeah. Well, that's because he's 200 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he was sent over the barricades at Gallipoli. Hey, he no, hasn't been right since. Like... Uh, Nay and Nina, what did, you guys, what did you folks learn working on that show? What, what was the experience like? Was there something you walked away going, well, that was a bit different. That's something, that was something we can take away. Oh, you go, Nina. I was just in the room. Oh, yeah, I, I was just acting. Holes, the holes in my brain. Yeah, we just, like, made the show with our brains and our hearts and our minds. Like, we didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> The cool thing about the Kate, 
They're so, I mean, what you get on the screen is the result of like hundreds of people and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work and so much world building. It's like these, these things don't just happen. It's like it's years and years and years of thought. And they're, I don't know, they've just, they're so mindful in the way that they carry themselves and so thoughtful about the politics and, but without sacrificing humour. Um, which is, I think, really, can be really challenging. Because if you, if, I don't know, if you only had, like, really boring PC, blah, blah, like, it, it's, oh, God, you just want to drown in the lake, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, but the, yeah, they managed to, I don't know, the, it's possible to really think really critically about the work that you're doing and also be really funny. And that was reflected in the room as well. Yeah, I just spent six months in Tasmania uh, drinking myself silly. <laughs> There's a lot of really good food and wine in Tasmania. And, uh, yeah, there's a Tasman... Cool. <laughs> well, yeah, Nina, you, awesome. you, did have, you did have a bit of a moment on the Logies. You, you did have something to say to someone on the red carpet of the Logies oh, about what, how Deadlock was made special. Here's a clip. What makes Deadlock so special? That it's gay, you know? Lesbians. That's the secret ingredient. Everyone's like... Why is it so good? Lesbians. Hire more lesbians. She was actually talking about the Matildas. That's a funny thing. <laughs> you can always count on me for a very, very eloquent, well-thought-out soundbite. <laughs> and I noticed somebody on the internet took this clip and made it into a bit of a viral hit on their own. Oh, yeah, they remixed it. What do you think makes Deadlock so special? That is gay, you know? Lesbians. That's the secret ingredient. So good. <laughs> Coming up in a moment, Hannah Ferguson will be going through some of the numbers that didn't make it into the Women in Media Industry Insight Report for 2023. But before then, um, as we've kind of got a bunch of mid-career, emerging career folks on the panel, I thought we'd seek out some advice from uh, an industry elder. I know a couple of weeks ago there was a very similar conference held just like this for women in media by an advertising magazine, B&T, and when I saw who the winner was for their Lifetime Achievement Award, I reached out to them to see if they had any words for encouragement for this room here today. Look what they gave me. It's the B&T Women in Media Lifetime Achievement Award. Also, they tell me, because... You know, bloody designers and their tiny type. I can't possibly read it at my age. They give you this when they think you're about to drop dead. That's the point. Or rather, perhaps, wish you would. I was pretty surprised to get it, but I tell you who will be a whole lot more surprised. Most of the men over 50 in advertising. Actually, why hide my life under a bushel? Most men over 50 in the whole bloody country. I can hear them now. What? Her? She's a pain in the ass. And I'm proud of it because it's pains in the arse who are here today celebrating women in media. Look, here's Dan. He's a pain in the arse. He doesn't mean to be. I think that's the difference. He's wrangling this panel of younger women. Look at that, an older man wrangling younger women. Hasn't feminism come an awfully long way? So my advice to you, ladies on the panel, everybody in the audience, women in general, be a pain in the arse. Point out... The sexist shit you're going to have to put up with. Don't stay silent about it. Don't suck it up. And make sure you tell them when the ads, the articles, whatever else it is, is sexist. Because if you're a pain in the ass for long enough, they have to be a lifetime, but nevertheless, they'll give you one of these. 
worth it, don't you think? Jane Carrow, everyone. Hannah Ferguson. Thank you, thank you. Okay, today, folks, we're going to be going through a data analysis very quick, under five minutes, on the experiences of women in media. Mostly about men, but the antithesis. Here we go. Oh, if we can make this work. Top reasons for men commenting on a post about women's rights. 1% reported had they had something valuable to add in a healthy, respectful and engaged way. 27% reported that it wasn't about them, so they had to make it about them somehow. 32% were very angry that the Matildas had higher viewer ratings than the AFL and NRL Grand Finals last year. But 40% were actually the burner accounts of Tony Abbott and Mark Latham. Next, we're moving on to the top profile pictures of an average comment section on a post about women's rights. 28% are the classic red Commodore, which you can expect to be telling you that you look like shit and you should have more cleavage in that dress. 50% anonymous or the Twitter egg, you know them, they're very bold in their statements. And 22% are Lord Farquaad lookalikes, who think that you're a four out of 10 and want you to know that. This is the average headline compared to the average Daily Mail headline. And I've noticed it goes up by an average of five words if it's like Abby Chatfield just enjoying a day at the beach. 92%. This is the rate of questions that women are asked in any interview about having imposter syndrome, the balance of having it all, which sounds like shit, frankly, and what they're wearing during any interview. But they can only confirm this stat after they're done answering questions about who's at home with the kids because fathers are apparently babysitting, not parenting. <laughs> this is a really crucial Venn diagram I've created. <laughs> I didn't put Julie Bishop in. I just put Pauline. But also, this is a real product that she sells for $10 on the One Nation store. This one's for the girls. You know, the infamous fishing video. Don't buy it, please. <laughs> this is the likelihood of a woman smiling after being told that she should smile more by a random stranger. Extra points if you're covering an issue like Ukraine, sexual violence, or violence in general, and you're told, we should be a bit more cheerful in your broadcast. Finally, ending on a positive note, the increase in hope during the FIFA Women's World Cup. This graph is identical to the increase in my searches for the offside rule as well. <laughs> Thank you. 58% of men don't approve of this message, but not all men. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Ooh, hello, am I? Am I here? here we go. Hello, hello. Hello. We're back. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's all right. Dan's out. It's... I'm out. Do you want mine? Oh, wait. I'm not going to give my microphone. It's to a man. <laughs> the optics uh, of that are really bad. Joke about giving him a voice or something. <laughs> anyway, here we go. All right. Um, so let's do a quick quiz. Thank you, Hannah, for that. That was great. Um, that was the... We're going to do a quick quiz from the actual Women in Media Insights report. I'll read out a stat and you guys fill, out, fill in the blanks. All right. Here we go. 54% of women in media are uncertain or dissatisfied with their what? Uh, vibrator charger speed. <laughs> Hot girl IBS. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, God, like existential worth, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's very it's very similar. It is dissatisfied with their career progress. All right. Top three reasons for career stagnation are... Stuck in a, like, in a swamp. Like, <laughs> they're, like, in a swamp, in a physical swamp, and it's hard to get out. Having an opinion and being willing to say it. Yeah! Having a 12-step skincare routine and it takes too long. You've got to wait for the serums to sink in. <laughs> it's fucked up. All right, here, there, here are the answers. Lack of opportunities, limit access to training and development, lack of managerial support. That's what I said. <laughs> That's what I said. Next one. One in six surveyed women are interested in developing knowledge about what? How to stop getting unwanted massages from old men. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> no. Actually, I am. But anyway. <laughs> Advertising? Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. yeah. And finally, in 2022, what grew to 8.9 million? My leg hair in 2020. <laughs> Wait, did you say 2022? <laughs> I stuffed up, sorry. <laughs> My dick says... Oh, sorry. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Wrong crowd. <laughs> Podcast listeners... Crazy. Hannah, you just started a podcast. It's number two in the charts at the moment. Oi. Uh, only beaten by Joe Rogan. Tragic. <laughs> it was a what are you going to do to roll him? I wish I could, but uh, people love five-hour podcasts with a random guy saying the same thing over and over, apparently. <laughs> he does eat a lot of mushrooms. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's a very dark joke. No, I shouldn't have made um, that joke. I regret hey, it. Like, it's way too soon. Is someone living in Victoria... Well, it's no. And the mushroom industry is suffering. Mushroom sales have been down. <laughs> no, I'm very passionate about this. You don't understand. Well, I think... Shout it... out death cabs. Like, I'm, yeah. Like, it's not your fault, you know? <laughs> Now's as good time as any to bring Nayuka Gori up to the stage. Give it up for Nayuka. Hello. Hi, I'm Nayuka. How are you? That's good. Um... So, we were just listening to statistics before and I've got some more. In other findings, which were not brought up, and these were the ones I was actually prepared for, our good friends here at Women in Media reported that men account for 70% of quoted sources and 66% of experts cited in Australian media. I'm talking really fast because I wrote a lot of words, so forgive me, but I'm not normally this yappity-yap. Yeah, normally I'm like a snail. But anyway, now I'm a snail on speed. Um, anyway, back to the, the stats that I just quoted. If I were a straight woman, this is a bit where I would say something along the lines of, expert, ha, my hubby can't even change the fucking toilet roll. And then I'd cue for laughter and then say, but seriously, ladies, we've got to get to work. In bylines, men accounted for 82% of sport, 59% uh, of politics and 63% for finance and um, non-binary people can go fuck themselves. Um, rather than, though, stand up here and berate you all, because God knows I'm preaching to the choir, I want to take a moment to celebrate the achievements of women in media. If you'll permit me to quote a man, Edward Said, in his introduction to representations of the intellectual, he says, witnessing a sorry state of affairs when one is not in power is by no means a monotonous monochromatic activity. 
It involves what Foucault once called a relentless erudition, scouring alternative sources, exhuming buried documents, reviving forgotten or abandoned histories. It involves a sense of the dramatic and of the insurgent, making a great deal of one's rare opportunities to speak, catching the audience's attention, being better at wit and debate than one's opponents. In this spirit, I want to take some time to highlight women who have bravely embodied this. And firstly, it would be utterly remiss of me to not congratulate this year's Golden Logie Award winner, winner Sonia Kruger. <laughs> Sonia was undoubtedly a victim of cancel culture, hashtag free Sonia, when in 2016 she called for a ban of the migration of Muslim people into Australia. She copped a lot of flack, including from the pussies down at the New South Wales Civilian Administration Tribunal, who said that she'd vilified Muslim people. Her comments were supported by restaurateur come parliamentarian Pauline Hanson. I think it's great that someone actually is standing up because she's expressed her feelings about it. Too bloody right, Pauline. That's for the girls. <laughs> and the girlies do come together when they need to. In March 2018, Samantha Armitage, Prue McSween and some bloke called Ben Davis, I don't know him either. I mean, the intellectual heft of that yarn alone, reminiscent of a dialogue between James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni, I think we can all agree, pissed people off when they suggested... Please, when Prue suggested, oh, please don't worry about the people who will decry and hand wring and say this will be another stolen generation. They're talking about black people being adopted. Miss McSween said during the broadcast, just like the first stolen generation where a lot of children that were taken because it was for their well-being, we need to do it again. Channel 7 was found to have breached the Australian Communications and Media Authority by Sam Armitage's question containing misinformation. She also stated... Post-Stolen Generation, there's been a huge move to leave Aboriginal children where they are, even if they're being neglected by their own families. And as a black mum away from their own kids, maybe she's got a point right now. I'm kidding, the kids are at home, they're safe, they're fine. Don't come for me, white women. She came under fire in 2015 when, in an interview with British twins with a Jamaican mum and a white dad, one twin had her mum's features and the other had her dad's, Maria has taken after her half-Jamaican mum with dark skin, brown eyes, and what the fuck was that noise, and curly dark hair. But Lucy's got her dad's fair skin, good on her, along with straight red hair and blue eyes. Armitage released statements claiming that she was mortified to have been considered racist, blah, 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 the usual, and that this was more of a dig at herself, that she's been very open about her struggles with her own fair skin which runs in her family. And there is a joke here about something running in the family, given that she is a direct descendant of a British squatter called George Armitage, who was implicated in the massacre of Wathorong people in 1836 at Mount Cottrell in Werribee. And while I'm here, it would be neglectful of me to not mention Miranda Devine in the canon of white women in media breaching code of conducts. In 2017, Miranda Devine wrote an article called What Madness Can Justify Mutilating Our Children? She stated, there's no medical evidence to ju justify the epidemic of transgender kids. No evidence that changing sex will reduce the incidence of self-harm and blah, 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 blah. Two years later, she was found to have breached the Australian Press Council's Code of Conduct Principle 1, requiring publications to take reasonable steps to ensure that their factual material is accurate and not misleading. And while we might sneer at her and tell her to read a book or go touch some grass, we can't deny that Miranda loves children. 
She loves kids so much that after a year of being found in breach of this code of conduct, she gave Quaid and Bale, a young Murray boy with dwarfism, $200,000. This generous gift was made during her settlement with him after claiming on Twitter that he was lying about being bullied at school, which is a plausible thing to assume because Queensland is a state that doesn't have a racist or ableist bone in its body. It begs the question, when was the last time you gave a kid $200,000? And sure, she was misleading and inaccurate, but at least she wasn't afraid to wrap her lady brain around the science of epidemiology, which came in handy during the global epidemic in which we're all enduring. Who else was prepared to bravely stand on international television in 2020 and say that it was incredibly selfish of older people to want public health measures so that they didn't die of COVID? Of course, Miranda doesn't hate all old people. Like that time she rushed to the defence of George Powell, claiming that he was a victim of a witch hunt. Hashtag free George Powell. <laughs> this was a Catholic... Oh, he's dead now. He's, well, he's free, right? <laughs> this was a Catholic bashing exercise. Data gathered during the Royal Commission into institutional responses to childhood sexual abuse found that at the time... At the time of the inquiry, the Catholic Church had handled over 400,000 claimants of alleged abuse and around 3,000 claims of child sexual abuse resulted in a payment being made following a claim for redress. I do want to point out that most of these claims, um, Miranda paid more to Quaden, it should be said. But I want to say that there is something to be said about standing boldly in front of information and history, victim statements, and the church's own admissions themselves and say, fuck them kids. Miranda's Breach was an article written in response to a 60-minute episode about a teenager who went on hormones because they thought they were trans and then decided not to take them anymore. Miranda published this article one day after the postal survey for the same-sex marriage had opened. What I'm trying to say is sensationalising the lives of trans people to spread misinformation and hate and finding straw, man, women, thems, arguments, particularly around detransitioning, has already been done, Channel 7, sponsors of this conference. So why don't you go fuck yourself and find someone new to vilify? I'm more than happy to help. Anyway, I'm not going to stand up here and only laud those on the right because now, more than ever, we need balance. Patricia Cavallis, during her time at The Australian, now a champion of the yes vote, participated in a sustained favourable coverage of the Howard government's Northern Territory intervention in her role covering Indigenous affairs. The first half of her article announcing the beginning of the intervention, Crusade to Save Aboriginal Kids from Abuse, published on June 22, 2007, a long time ago. Um, Dan was like 50 then, though. Um, <laughs> the article reads as a diligent copy and pasted media release. We don't get Blackfellas' perspectives until about halfway through with a cursory sentence about or two about how pissed off we were. Then there was a two-week obsession the Australian had with a tweet by distinguished Professor Laurent in which she tweeted something and apologised for. The tweet was, uh, words to the effect of watching Best Price, I think on Q&A, uh, this is in 2011, was more offensive than watching someone fuck a horse. Um, and whether or not we agree with that tweet, what keeps me up at night is not being able to definitively answer whether or not it passes the Bechdel test. Is a tweet into the ether a conversation between two women and without knowing the gender of the horse in question, it's really hard to say either way. In any case, the Australian ran 15 stories over two weeks on Larissa, six of which were written by Patricia. 
All of these stories, and yet none of them clarified my interests, but here we are. Patricia, of course, has now taken over from, as host of Q&A. Um, it's taken over from Stan Grant. And I'd intended on being like Hannah and having a really jazzy PowerPoint slide, and I'm sorry I didn't get around to it. <laughs> Busy mums, hey, having it all. <laughs> but at this point, I would have that iconic photo and tweet, use your imagination, with Sarah Ferguson and Steve Bannon standing next to each other, presumably just after Sarah had interviewed him on Four Corners. In what I'm sure she imagined to be a real, like, Frost-Nixon moment, um, she was... She was heavily criticised by people for platforming white supremacists. Steve Bannon is currently appealing a four-month conviction for contempt of Congress for his role in the January 6th um, White House white man insurrection. Um, and he was recently ordered to pay outstanding legal fees. I think it's over $300,000. Um, and is facing criminal charges for defrauding... This one gets me. Defrauding donors on a GoFundMe he set up to build the US-Mexico wall. Can you imagine being one of those donors? Like, oh, I, was, I was robbed. Um, where's my fucking wall? Anyway, Sarah's tweet said, what's wrong with this photo? Nothing, all caps. Hashtag New Yorker Fest. Hashtag New Yorker Boycott. Hashtag Stop Silos at ABC News at Four Corners. If I was one of those men's rights activists, what I would say was wrong with the photo... Um, you know, the guys who, like, decode body language to see who's the alpha and who's the beta? I would say that what's wrong with the photo is that Bannon, and this is what, where I should have had the thing, even if I, if, if I made a presentation just for this photo, I would say that if you want to pull the photo up now, that Bannon sort of, he's, he's facing Sarah, and Sarah's open body language sort of makes him the beta cuck, right? And that's why he can't pay his lawyer's fees. Anyway, I've gone on for a really long time and there are other women I would have loved to have mentioned, including these two. I'm kidding. Can you imagine? Awkward. Um, <laughs> but, you know, included but not limited to Van Bowden, Daisy Cousins, Peter Credlin, etc. Anyway, at the end of the day, all of these stories, whether espousing discriminatory migration bans, calling for another stolen generation, spreading misinformation about trans kids, accusing black children of lying about being bullied, standing up for the Catholic Church, diligent copy and pasting of Australian government press releases to vilify black men and control black lives, and a sustained campaign in a major outlet against one black academic for what I would argue might be a funny tweet. We desperately need more women in media. We need to create more pathways for leadership. We need equal wages. Come on, ladies, let's get in formation. <laughs> I'm being facetious, and I know that the patriarchy is, like, absolutely a thing, and I'm not coming for white women because, you know, I'm, you know, you go through it too. What I'm saying is that solely focusing on gender here obscures a much compelling and urgent story, which is that white women really suck. I'm jo joking. Joking. Cue for laugh da Fart noise. Um, right now, the media class are doing an incredible job of maintaining the status quo or making things worse. The world is, as you know, if we're paying any sort of attention, is going to the dogs. And it has been for a while, but what I often see is white women in their pursuit for equality with white men engaging in a race to the bottom. And not like a hot bottom, like, like rock bottom. Dear friends of mine work in the media and really fucking struggle, and it's not only gender getting in the way, though there is a special kind of fucked upness encountered by black women, 
It's hard to listen to some people whinge about men and patriarchy when I know how hard it is for my black sisters who are experiencing the same thing but are getting paid much less than white women and are copying racism on top of it. And I haven't even mentioned classism, ableism, transphobia and other systems that dominate and having to do a podcast with these two dudes. <laughs> anyway, for what it's worth, I'm really grateful to independent media. I'm very, and I, this is a like gentle call into myself, I should subscribe. Um, I will do that. I'm very grateful to uh, anyone that commissions me and like still will after this. Um, and today I'm especially grateful to blackfellas that have rejected white media institutions and invested in our own stuff. I'm grateful to blackfellas who go into the white institutions too. And today is about women in media, so shout out Miriam Korowa, Carla Grant, Norelda Jacobs, Kirsty Parker, Bridget Brennan, Naomi Moran, Celeste Little, Brooke Boney, and Chelsea Wadigo, to name but a few. And finally, to my sis, Jetta Costa, who recently left the ABC, thank you. Um, this was meant to be really lighthearted and funny, and more importantly, it was meant to be five minutes, which means I've like completely failed my brief. But um, thank you for listening, if you still are. And Naoka. Thank you, Nay. Um, how do we limit the harm that media does to smaller communities? Like, give me money. <laughs> give me. I'm serious. Give me money. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Please, get me on a panel. No, um, I limit the harm. I don't know. I actually, like, I, I was like, actually, I do know. Like, we do have these standards, but if we were to look at Australian media and any time, you know, you go overseas or, you know, like, other countries, you, you watch the news, and I don't know if, if you guys have had it, but it's like, holy shit, Australian media is really white. Like, our screen, like, the what we see is really, really white. So I... I I think the point that I'm making is that representation alone is not enough. It's not enough to see, like seeing, it's not enough to have people who look like you on the screen. Like what is the, I don't know, what's, I don't, for me, I'm like, what's the politic behind it? Because um, sometimes it really do be your own people who, you know, yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sure you fellas know, you know. <laughs> Can we get another microphone for Lewis? Silencio. Yeah. There you go. We got a microphone for you. There you go. Yeah. Well, did you want to add something to that, Lewis? I mean, it's probably too late now. And to be honest, I feel like the vibe's going to be really weird when I yell, "No, all men are great." <laughs> but I, I don't know. I like I. I genuinely feel like I'd I'd much rather hang out with like a working class white person who's like like quite problematic but you know you can be like oi maybe don't say that um really bad word and they're like oh what else can i say i'm like fuck yeah this recently happened at revs uh, yeah um this fuck yeah revs <laughs> yeah i was talking to this dude and he was saying a, a word and i was like does everyone oh. know has everyone got the revs reference it's a nightclub in melbourne three it, people oh yeah it's like a 24 yes, hour nightclub yes. in yeah You're my people. apparently people have died in there and everyone just kept partying now you can, you should we should point out that you are in a conference room where every liberal prime minister has conceded defeat so <laughs> oh it's a very different color to melbourne Oh, okay. Oh! 
Is that here? It's, this is the room. If oh you walk God. around, you can find liberal tears in the carpet. <laughs> Raves is a nightclub because of its licensing. We're in Sydney, so, like, you, this is very unfamiliar terrain for you. But we have clubs with uh, some licenses that go, like, 24 hours. So you can be at a club for a really long time. Some people die. Um, but, yeah, no, had this yarn and this bloke. And I'm like, oh... Actually, solidarity can fucking happen because we're vibing and we can actually be honest with each other. That's my way of saying not all white people, not all men. <laughs> I've made some really beautiful connections over MGMA. <laughs> that, um, that was, that's a joke. Please give it up for Neyuka. That was great. So good. Um, well, I think it's very appropriate now. We've got just another ad from our sponsor. Uh, this is the Oil CEO on diversity. Bring up the audio there. There we go, here we go. Oil love race. (laughs) Black, brown, yellow. These are all shades of unliquefied petroleum that we love. Hey, have you ever heard of Martin Luther King, dumb of Saudi Arabia? Uh Uh-huh, that's right. We only source our product from countries of color. Bet you didn't think about that. We love. We've got to make money somehow. Thank you. That was wonderful. Uh, Vidya couldn't be here, but it's so great she set those through. All right. Um, I believe we've got a very special guest joining us. Um, please welcome to the stage, male Nina Oyama. Oh, yeah. Uh, cheers, ladies. I don't know who female Nina Oyama is, but she sounds really hot. All right. <laughs> Why am I doing this? No, it's good. All right. Um, yeah, it's such an honour to be here at the Babes in Media Conference. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of hot, strong babes here, and I just want to say I respect you all so much, especially the tens. Uh, the tens of thousands of women impacted by the patriarchy. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. When I got asked to do the Women in Media Conference, I was like, no, man, that's bullshit. Um, You should get a woman to do it. But then I remember that Dan and I went to the same boys' private school and that Lewis and I's dads play golf on the weekend. And I was like, oh, now I have to do it. (laughs) That's the bro code. Uh, anyway, I'm also, I'm only here to fill a diversity quota. Um, you may have noticed all the guests today are women or non-binary people, and I'm a straight, for the purposes of this character, I'm a straight white man. <laughs> and not a Eurasian girly. Um, anyway, uh, but I've learned from working in the media that it's really important to represent both sides, even if one side is fucking bullshit. You know, like climate scientists on panels with climate deniers and uh, everyone here on a panel with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like the other bad men, you know. I'm actually one of, part of one of the most marginalised identities in Australia. Yeah, that's right, I'm a cyclist. <laughs> yeah, man, do people hate us. <laughs> you know, and just like people who were assigned at birth, um, it was not my choice. <laughs> I actually identify as ACAB, assigned cyclist at birth. Uh, but more than, a, more than a cyclist, I'm also an ally to women. Despite the fact I look like a soft boy or the kind of guy Twitter would say would do a welcome to country before gaslighting you and eating your pussy, that's simply not true. 
Ladies, I don't even know. <laughs> ladies, ladies, settle down. Uh, ladies, <laughs> I don't even know what gaslighting is. But if eating pussy <laughs> is a crime, then fucking lock me up. Thank you. I love women so much. This year, I even watched women's sport. Did you know women played sport? <laughs> and they've been doing it this whole time? <laughs> well, I didn't. Why didn't anyone tell me? Now my favourite team is the Matildas. And... <laughs> no. I don't know what this... That was less helpful, Dan. <laughs> Let me do my thing. Um... <laughs> My favourite team is now the Matildas, and let me tell you, I've never seen a bunch of lesbians who love bulls so much. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> All right, um, I love you. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sam Kerr and her older, hotter sister, Miranda. <laughs> Very talented family. <laughs> but, <laughs> but seriously, I, I hate that the, me, the, the, meme, the media is a male-dominated industry because, actually, I love being dominated by strong women. Just ask my wife. Hey, ladies, <laughs> I love you. Uh, just kidding, I don't have a wife. I actually have multiple girlfriends because I'm ethically non-misogynist. <laughs> and I go down on all of them because it's a nice thing to do. Uh, when I worked at the ABC, I actually saw firsthand the prejudice that women face. Like when reading the Facebook comments, I was appalled at the amount of sexually violent imagery levelled against journalists like Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb. You know, things like she needs some sense fucked into her or she's basically sucking his dip for dinner. Like, men never get this kind of treatment. You know, like I got called a cuck on Twitter once by Noyuka Gori <laughs> and I cried for several days. I'm in therapy. Um, but anyway, I, like to th I think that Annabelle and Lee are really strong babes, and if it was up to me, their podcast would be called Chat 10 Looks 10. <laughs> I love you. Uh, speaking of Looks 10, I was on Abby Chatfield's Instagram recently. Yeah. And there are so many men commenting on the size of her body, uh, which is perfect, by the way. I'm not being a sleaze. I just think women are perfect. Um, but my point is, even just existing in the public eye as a woman in media is exceptionally brave because everyone has an opinion on you, you know, whether it's your personality or your looks or your ethics or your skills, you're open to scrutiny and criticism in a way that men aren't, all while navigating an industry which is full of underqualified guys failing upwards until they become CEOs. And uh, honestly, no offence, ladies, but having to think about all this to write this speech has been immensely stressful for me, <laughs> actually. And uh, after much thought, I've come up with a solution to make all the women's in media's lives better. That's right, I, male Nina Oyama, um, I think I should take all the jobs of women in media. <laughs> yeah, you're all fired. Um, that way you lovely babes can just sit back and relax and pull your feet up, you know, no more reading, hateful comments. Just go make a meal in the kitchen and spend some more time with your kids. Yeah, yeah let a man do the work. Shh, <laughs> shut up. 
I, male Nita Oyama volunteers tribute to become CEO of all women in media so that you can all step down. Um, if you agree, say yes. Okay, if you disagree, say no. Sorry, if you disagree, say no. No. Uh, well, you're all sluts anyway. Um, <laughs> see you at the next conference. Bye. Male Nina Oyama. It is the end of the world. You may as well laugh. Uh, yes, Daniel. Uh, just got a yes, great, great question Daniel. for you. If you could have any job in media, whose job would it be? Probably uh, the Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah. I think I could do it real well, you know? I was like rattling my brain because I'm just I just remembered it's a podcast, which is an what is the ears? Ew. Audio? <laughs> um damn. The ear yeah, the you listen. It's a one of those. But for those listening with your ear holes, Nina looks like a young Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's really scary. Um, like Johnny Depp, uh, what was that? Secret Window? Rear went No, Secret Window sort of vibe. Like that, Johnny Depp. Unfortunately, I was... I like before the allegations or...? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. He was still doing fuck shit, but no one knew. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good for this character, I guess. <laughs> yeah, young Johnny Depp before the stuff, Yeah. Thank you, Mayor Nino Oyama. It's great to have you. You're very welcome, Dan. And I assume I'm getting paid more than these two? <laughs> anyway, thank you. Bye. In a, in, a, in a moment, Lewis Hobber is going to close the show. But before that happens, we've got one more message from our sponsor. This is the Oil CEO on workers' rights. Um. Please give it up for Vidya Rajan. She couldn't be here today. But she made those for us in Melbourne and sent them up. It was very good of her. And a big thank you to our actual sponsor, Australian Ethical, for making this show happen. Lewis, you are about to talk about male allies. Is that right? You're, you're about to do that one? Yeah. Or um, Hannah was telling me that she once worked at a place that gave out an award for this, and it was called... The Malai Award. Oh. <laughs> that was a real thing. Male Ally, the Malai Award of the year. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be for all the Malais <laughs> out there. Well, I just wanted to take us down a, a trip down memory lane just quickly um, to celebrate International Women's Day from 2021 and also mention one of my favourite men, um, Dave Sharma. 2021 was a particular toxic year for women working inside Parliament House. There's a few court cases going on from that time we can't talk about because we don't have defamation insurance. But one of my favourite guys, Dave Sharma, Member of Parliament at the time, decided uh, that despite everything going on in the House uh, on International Women's Day in 2021, he would head on down to Edgecliff Station and hand out pink flowers to women entering the station. Uh, what's worse, he took a photo of it and put it on Twitter and he shared it with the words, Happy International Women's Day. Let it, let, let's make it a day when we strive to improve respect, dignity and equality for women everywhere. Hashtag International Women's Day. Uh, yeah, free remember? Dave Sharma. Free Dave Sharma. <laughs> I, was, I was a Wentworth resident at the time and I, it made me furious um, because no one is going to do this primarily on International Men's Day. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> 
I did. On the 19th of November, uh, on International Men's Day, I went down to Edgecliff Station and handed out hammers um, <laughs> to men passing by and tweeted the same thing. Uh, what did but you for do men, for International Non-Binary People's Day, <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> and I, say, I handed out a few hammers to a few women who were like, oh, can I take one of those? <laughs> I... How many hammers? That's expensive, dude. I know, well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's why you have a Patreon. <laughs> it's actually, they're not fucking prop cheap. Based, Prop-based jokes. You're welcome, They're man. like ten bucks each. And in fact, under one seat here tonight is one of those hammers. <laughs> yes, butch rights now. And, yeah. for men, and how men can be better allies, please give it up for Lewis Hobber. Hello, women. Hello, Lewis. <laughs> oh, my God. It's female, female Peter. <laughs> Where the hell have you been? You're so close to the end of this conference. Uh, you're so close to the end of the day, and I hope you've enjoyed your two days of inspiring women. But since this is the world of media in 2023, we thought it wouldn't feel right unless a man had the last word. <laughs> That's right. I'll now be paraphrasing all the things you said, and taking credit for them myself. <laughs> no, that's not true. In fact, I'd like to use my time today to mend some bridges because I want to heal the rift between men and women in the media. We are not your enemy. In fact, one of the great things about working in media today is that the shrinking pool of money and growth in media graduates creates the sense that everyone is your enemy regardless of gender. Yes, the scarcity mindset in our dying industry can make the most mild-mannered media hopeful backstab their peers in a desperate grab for the last job, clinging to the next rung up the ladder with their blood-slicked hands, eventually reaching the top to find nothing but a mirage. And all they really have is a lost decade, a room in a dirty share house, and a modest following on an irrelevant social media platform. <laughs> That's why I love the media, but everyone's different. No, but for all the media, uh, all the mistreatment of media professionals that we do to each other all the time, I will admit there has been a special kind of mistreatment of women by men. The only place tougher for a woman than the media is the Liberal Party. <laughs> if there was a conference like this for all the women in the Liberal Party, you could host it in a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Everyone would fit with legroom. For years, men have mistreated women in the media, but I'd like to say, thankfully, that's all fixed now. And it's thanks to a small group of brave and dedicated souls. Yes, right now I'd like to take a moment to thank the real heroes of the Me Too movement, the fellas. That's right. These are the men in Australian media who I think helped us get through the dark times and into the glorious world of equality we live in now. Welcome to Not All Men in Media Are Bad. <clears throat> now come with me as I, a man, carefully and slowly explain to you how these men have helped you, all right? Listen up. Are you looking? Are you looking and listening? Thank you. Let's start with this hero. Now, a big criticism of men in the media is that they never listen to the issues raised by women. Now, Rupert listens. 
He listens closely. In fact, he pays people to listen even when you don't know they're listening. Some call it phone hacking, I call it active listening. <laughs> Karl Stefanovic, now remember how he wore that same suit for a year to point out the double standards women face on screen? Pretty good, not just that, he gets paid more than his female co-hosts. And thanks to the suit thing, he also gets to spend less time in wardrobe. More money, less work. Take that, sexists. Next slide. Okay. I would like more respect for our Australian heroes, please. Now, this is Eddie Maguire, a man who was pretty good on TV, so they let him be the CEO of Channel 9. I'm pretty sure that thing happens to you all the time. Can I see a show of hands, please, from all of the women here? who have got a job being the CEO because they were pretty good on the footy show. <laughs> Anyone? We had a lot more hands went up at the Men in Media conference. This was a very popular bit with them. <laughs> now, Eddie did well as CEO. Uh, he fired 100 people, including his infamous boning of Jessica Rowe. Uh, after a year, everyone loved him so much that he decided to quit and was paid over $4 million. But what people don't talk about with Eddie, right, is that he has actually spent his entire career tirelessly addressing income equality in the media. No one has turned more women on TV into millionaires than Eddie Maguire. Tough, tough crowd, tough crowd, <laughs> really tough crowd. Can I get a round of applause for this incredible Malai? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. A little bit of herstory <laughs> about um, who wants to be a millionaire. It was first put on air on Channel 9 to go up against Deal or No Deal. Uh, now, a million dollar question, who was hosting Deal or No Deal at the time? Andrew O'Keefe. Of course, a man, uh, we all know him for one thing these days, being a white ribbon ambassador. Okay. <laughs> who, who's with me? You know what, I feel like I'm losing the room a little, so I might, I might just skip through my next few slides. I won't do Wayne. I won't do Jeffrey. Okay, here we, oh really? Okay, we don't have time to get into that. Here we go. Here's how I'm gonna win you back. Let me finish with this, all right? Let's finish off by enjoying the strides that were made, not just at the coal face of the industry, but at the pointy end, the CEOs of Australia's media organisations. Now, just look at the increased diversity here. As you'll see, only two of these men are called James. <laughs> that is two of these men not called James. Now, I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. All right, eyes up here, are we, are we looking, are we listening? And of course, last year we had the CEO of Foxtel in a speech uh, call <laughs> the star of Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, the biggest show on his own network, a short dumpy girl. So there it is, all the men in media doing everything they can to make the media a better place for you. And they don't get any thanks for it, you know? They do get millions of dollars, but not a lot of thanks. And so that's why I'm here, to say, good on you, fellas. Good on you. No, no, that's okay. No, you know what? I've got something I think you will like. Next. 
No, this one's real. Australia does have one woman at the head of a network. We've got one. We've got one. You get one. Don't ask for two. We've got too many Jameses. No, Beverly McGarvey, uh, the Executive Vice President of Paramount in Australia, uh, is, is a woman. That's a fact. I've, had, I've Googled that. Now, the bad news is that she didn't get to the top by hosting a footy show. I'm so sorry to tell you that. She did it the unconventional way, by having 25 years' experience and working as the head of programming at several other networks around the world first. Weird, but it happens. Uh, so there you go, all fixed, honestly. With so many wonderful men like that, working hard to fix things for you, it's hard to understand why you even need a conference like this, really. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed the Women in Media conference. It's been an honour to be here and to let you know about the exciting work that my people are doing for you. Uh, now I have to pop off to the Men in Media conference, or as we call it, the media. Thank you so much. That is it for Rational Fear. Please thank all of our fear mongers tonight. Lewis Hobber, Hannah Ferguson, male Nina Oyama, Nina Oyama, Nayuka Gori, and DJ Dylan Bain. My name's Dan Delick. We're recording this on Gadigal land in the Yoren Nation. Big ups to them. Big thank you to Australian Ethical, our sponsor. The Women in Media Conference are having us. Jacob Brown of the Teppanyaki Timeline. Vidya Rajan, uh, Jane Caro. Uh, yeah, and until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night, bye! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical.